Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with the king of the B-movie drive-in theater phenomena for the past 30-plus years, starting from the movie channel over to TNT, now on Shutter with uh, the last drive-in, Joe Bob Briggs. How are you today? All right. That was quite an introduction. Well-deserved. I understated it. <laughs> <laughs> Well-deserved and understated, good sir. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I, it I can't believe than, I've been doing it that long. Right. And it also <laughs> sounds better than calling you Texas's favorite illegitimate son because, you know, <laughs> horror movies aren't uh, aren't on the top of the list of being recognized as high cinema. Well, it's kind of changed. I mean, when I first started, they were considered disposable trash, you know, and, and uh, I was actually criticized just for reviewing them at all. And then, uh, but I mean, in 2018, The Shape of Water wins the Academy Award. So what what is that? That's a monster movie. That's a rubber suit monster movie wins the Academy Award. So, you know, times have changed. This is true. Uh, and it had a lot of heart. Yeah. Uh, it makes hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh the Halloween sequel makes hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, we, we live in, uh, we live in horror friendly times now. And we can <laughs> thank you for that because you put your own butt on the line to get it recognized. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's hard to believe that there was a time when horror movies themselves were controversial. And I guess with some people, they still are, but, uh, you know, horror movies were considered almost like pornography to, uh, you know, a certain part of the, um, uh, of the public, you know, and just thought you shouldn't be associated with them. Well, I'm a big wuss when it comes to a lot of horror movies and the two genres that scare me the most are horror and musicals. So <laughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show is the scariest movie I've ever seen because it's a combination of the two. Really? <laughs> I, I would say, a chorus line is the scariest movie I ever saw. <laughs> well, Grease is a close second, but a chorus line's up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, with these trying times that we're going through, you know, horror movies, I asked Sam Raimi this as well, uh, horror movies make us jumpy. You know, they, they make us anxious and times are anxious, but we kind of get a release of, uh, of that adrenaline when we watch a horror movie and we are jumpy. How does that help us? during these trying times that we're going through with an international pandemic? Well, I think um, horror movies, yes, you're right. They're a release. They're, um, uh, you know, fake scares to replace real scares. Um, but I think you, I, I think horror movies thrive when they're pure escapism. I don't think you want to watch a pandemic movie in a pandemic. Now, I know people disagree with me. People have been checking out Steven Soderbergh's Contagion, for example, you know, and they watch it and they say, oh, he was, whoa, what a, you know, he predicted all this stuff, you know, if it's still a bad movie, you know, I still don't care that much about Gwyneth Paltrow, but, you know, he, he did predict all this stuff, you know, and so, uh, there are people who are, who are like, you know, watching, uh, the stand, for example, which is not really relatable to what's going on right now, or but and you know every zombie movie is a pandemic movie. Mm -hmm. You know, any anything contagious or infectious is a pandemic. Right, uh, is a pandemic movie, and and those go back a hundred years. I mean, those go, you know it used to be a, a a standard thing in movies if somebody coughed in a movie. 
they were dead by the third act. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that existed for years. Or, or get bitten by a mosquito. You know, slap, you slap your neck, you know, cause the mosquito bought you, you know, you got yellow fever, you're dead, but you know, you know, you, 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 you're on a bar time. So, um, uh, people were actually more aware of infectious disease in the early days of film. You know, uh, we haven't had a lot of um, uh, films that are seriously about infectious disease. We've we've had a lot of films about infection, meaning you know zombie films, um, mutant DNA. Uh, you know those things in the eighties where. You know, there's a rapidly replicating mutant DNA that's, that you can't get rid of. And every time you touch somebody, it's transferred to the next person. Um, and actually, I think that makes us more scared of the coronavirus because we've seen all these movies where, you know, um, you, 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 you touch somebody's pinky finger and you're dead. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, so we, we, I'm, you know, coronavirus is nasty and vicious. So but, what you're saying uh, is it's all of our fault for getting too comfortable by taking vaccines. And then it's oh. the anti-vaxxers fault for not taking <laughs> any. And now we're all screwed. I, I, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I, you know, you know, that you bring up a good point though. They keep talking about how the vaccine is the solution to all this. And I said, well, now when you have this, that many anti-vaxxers in our population, you know, who, who won't take the vaccine once we have it, you know, so, uh, uh, fortunately they say you only have to get, uh, only 51% or something have to take the vaccine for it to be effective. So, you know, for, fortunately, we can outnumber those anti-vaxxers. But, uh, um, you know, I, I, th- I think, um, I think, uh, um, horror to be enjoyable has to be divorced from immediate reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, uh, I doubt that those people, those, those, those people that are watch, see, watching Steven Soderbergh's Contagion must be really miserable fucks. <laughs> <laughs> that are the ones watching uh, Dustin Hoffman in Pandemic. Oh, yeah. Oh, even worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we have subgenres within horror. You know, we have the slasher film. We have torture porn. We have the psychological thriller. We just have, you know, the gore fest or the monster movie. Um, with with stuff that you've watched over the years, you pretty much have watched everything. I think you've left no stone unturned at this point. What's your go-to, not only horror movie, but when you want to pull away from work and then just something that you enjoy for yourself? Like, you know, would it be like a Popeye cartoon? Or, yeah, like a Popeye oh. cartoon or whatever. Something, you know, completely removed from the wor- work that you do. Well, uh, in the movie area, era, area um, I, uh, I, I love, uh, film noirs, um, and so, um, I watch, a, you know, I can watch, uh, uh, for example, The Hustler, you know, that's, that's just a great movie. I can watch it as many times as they put it on. Um, you know, Paul Newman, Jackie Gleason, George C. Scott. Um, uh, as far as, uh, um, 
things away from the horror world. I watch a lot of true crime. I'll, I'll watch true crime on TV, Discovery ID, you know, all those shows. It, I, I'm starting to, I'm starting to burn out on it though. There's a certain sameness to a lot of those shows now. There's too many of them, you know, they're starting to repeat the same murders. <laughs> you know, it's like, wait a minute, haven't I seen this murder? Oh yeah, it was on that other show. You know, it's like they're recycling the murders on those shows. And eventually um, they're going to end up in, in the new movies that you're going to be reviewing in like the next yeah. two years. Actually, actually, I wrote a true crime book called Evidence of Love years ago, and and I think it's been on three of those shows. <laughs> so long as the residual check clears. Yeah. yeah. And, and now with season two coming in, coming into play of The Last Drive-In, hopefully drive-ins make a resurgence because of this. You know, we're looking for some positivity here where we're, you know, cracking a couple of jokes and then looking at uh, the positive side of all of this. Um, you got Chris Jericho, first ever AEW World Heavyweight Champion, uh, to sit there and co-host, uh, you know, on April 24th. What, you know, and you've been friends with Roddy Piper over the years, you know, especially since he yeah. was in They Live and everything else. What is the connection between professional wrestling and horror movies? I don't know. There's always been a connection, though. Um, I was on Chris Jericho's podcast about a year ago, and um, one of the things we talked about is uh, he was fascinated with the movie Bloodsucking Freaks, which he discovered when he was in high school. And has been obsessed with his whole life. And so the whole, so the whole idea is come on and co-host Bloodsucking Freaks with me. Now, in the meantime, Joel Reed, the director of Bloodsucking Freaks, just died four days ago from the coronavirus. Really? Um, That's how he passed away? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so. I mean, I don't, uh, I know we mean not to laugh. It's just the irony of, of what's going on. I know, there, uh, there's, so there are multiple levels of meaning to this show that we're doing Friday where, you know, uh, Joel Reed just left us, um, his, his masterpiece, if you can call it that, uh, he didn't really, you know, um, he did, he did a movie one time called Wits End and, and it was doing really badly at the box office and the producer called him up and said, uh, uh, What's wrong with my movie? Why aren't we making more money? And he says, "What's wrong with your movie is that you hired me to direct it." <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that's what Joel th- th- thought of his own work. Wow. But, so, so I don't know if you can call Bloodsucking Freaks his masterpiece, but it's one of the it's one of the strangest, most disturbing movies in the history of horror. So we'll be showing that. Plus, Jericho loves it. Plus. Um, you know, uh, Joel just passed away, so we have to deal with that. But, but, um, he was 86. Um, but, um, uh, so that's, but that's not our first feature. Uh, we, we can't reveal the name of the cult classic that's our first feature, and we have the star of that movie on as well. So it's a double feature Friday night. Um, to 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 launch the season, but I'm 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 thrilled to have Jericho on though. He, he's probably probably I don't know if you follow wrestling, but he's probably one of the most famous wrestlers in the world right now, both in Japan and in uh, the United States. I am a huge professional wrestling fan. I even told Chris yesterday when I interviewed him about Friday that uh, he's reinvented himself more times than Jack Kirby reinvented his art style in comic books. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and he's and he and this is this is a wild ride they're having at uh, at AEW. I mean, they're really they're really uh, doing something special and new there. 
Well, you're a Texas boy. I mean, you had world class championship wrestling uh, over in the in the uh, in Dallas, so you know there was some stuff going right. on for you guys too. Well, yeah, back in the '80s, I used to hang out with the Freebirds. Do you remember them? <laughs> you How's the your liver, Michael Hayes? And yeah, oh my God, Bam Bam. You like to headbutt people at nightclubs. Anyway, there it was. Um, uh, yeah, I knew those guys, and then um, and then Roddy Piper in the '90s, and then, you know now Chris Jericho. Yeah, there's there's this wrestling theme that runs through my <laughs> through my career. Yeah. Oh my! God. I'm still thinking that you you have to be on your third or fourth liver transplant for hanging out with the Freebirds. Oh, I know. No, no, they were they were ridiculous. They were just completely ridiculous. <laughs> like, like I don't think there's enough whiskey in Tennessee to satisfy those guys back then. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And all of that's true. That's exactly the way they were. Yeah. Um, you, you know, Shutter Shutter's been going strong for a while. You know, everything that we're turning more towards streaming than we are, you know, cable or, or satellite or anything of that sort. The draw to something that's so horror specific like Shutter, you know, how exciting is that? Realizing that there's you know what was considered a niche audience is now so broad that people will go to a specific website and download a specific app just to watch one particular genre of film? Uh, it is remarkable. Um, I'm, I'm uh, amazed at the sophistication of the, of the uh, uh, people who tune into Shudder. I mean, obviously, if you're watching Shudder, you're into horror. And if you're into horror, you're, you're, you're already, you know, uh, I'm pretty high on the nerd scale, <laughs> and so, and so you've probably delved into the whole history of horror. So that puts a lot of pressure on me. Uh, you know, I make one mistake, a thousand people jump on me all at the same time. <laughs> so, so, um, but it's, um, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, ve- streaming is very interesting. We've kind of turned it on its head though. I mean, we have commercial breaks mm-hmm. in our movies, even though we have no commercials. <laughs> and when we, and, and people show up for the actual launch of the show. So, you know, it's, it's appointment TV for that time. You know, everyone is online at the same time that the show appears. Now you, you can watch it later. Right. Um, but it's not like a Netflix show where they just drop it on a certain day and people watch it at all different times. Uh, we have a very loyal audience that shows up for exactly when the show starts and, uh, there's, and the, you know, the, the, uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook just light up with, um, uh, we, we, we ended up trending internationally on, on Twitter, uh, at our finale last year. I mean, not just the U.S. Twitter, but we were trending. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know how we did that because I don't think people in China were watching Hello Mary Lou prom night too, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, uh, you know, we have this strong social media, uh, get together every time we have a, a show. Well, I mean, you're not only an expert, but you've been in films as well. You've been in Great Balls of Fire. You've been in, uh, you know, Hogzilla and a million other horror movies as well. So, how do you know about Hogzilla? Oh, I do my <laughs> research. <laughs> 
Hogzilla's never been released. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you got to find some stuff out. But uh, so you have a level of expertise on both sides of the camera, not only as a film critic and a horror historian, but being in front of it and acting as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't seek out the acting parts, you know, that's usually somebody comes to me and says, Hey, you want to do this? Um, but, um, there, there was a time between jobs when I was going out on auditions, but that was a very brief part of my career. Um, so, um, I was in casino and, um, face off during, during the time that I was, uh, not, didn't have a TV show. Um, where I was just like two hitting. completely forgotten movies, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so, uh, but I never, I, I never tried to go and land. I, I can't, I can't do it. I'm a terrible auditioner, and <laughs> and uh, it's too nerve wracking for me. I can't do it. <laughs> but you know, you're a writer, you're an author, uh, you've you've been an actor, you're a host. What is it like, not only being involved in this industry for 30 years with, you know, a, let's say between shows, a total of like two year layoff. Um, and then being recognized by say, like you go to monster Palooza or son of monster Palooza or midsummer night scream. I'm listing all the ones here in Southern California uh, and the reaction to you for having hosted this stuff. And not only that, but having been a part of not only Jericho's childhood, but my childhood and so many more people that are still watching. Well, I'm always amazed by it. I mean, um, I, I did a show um, in L.A. in September at the Egyptian, and um, uh, we were <laughs> the show was on the same night as the world premiere of uh, Maleficent, right <laughs> right next door. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, all of the people who came to see my show. Uh, you can imagine how they're dressed, you know, <laughs> they're, they're in horror shirts, you know, black horror shirts, jeans and tennis shoes. And they're trying to cross that line that Angelina Jolie is in <laughs> to try to get to the Egyptian theater. And I thought, this is sort of my life, you know, this is sort of, this is sort of, this is people trying to get to me, you know, but, but we're being blocked by mainstream Hollywood. No, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let them cross the line. You know, they wouldn't let them get to the entrance of the theater. And so, um, but we, we had this great, this great uh, show and I was I was just uh, amazed um, that so many people over the years have you know when you're doing a TV show like the one I did on Monster Vision you're just in a concrete room with eight or nine guys and it's just going out into a void you don't know who's watching it you don't know if anybody's watching it Mm -hmm. and they don't tell you you know the network doesn't tell you they especially don't tell you if you're doing well you know, they, they don't want you to know that. And so, and so, um, so a lot of the time, a lot of the years that I was on, plus our show didn't have a, a, a start time. We were on after the basketball game or after the, after the wrestling or whatever. And, and sometimes, you know, we came on at 10 o'clock. Sometimes we came on at 1130. Um, it didn't have an end time either. You know, they said, as long as you're finished by 6 a.m., we don't care when you finish. And that's one reason that the show was so freewheeling is that we didn't have any time limitations on the breaks. So I could just talk and talk and talk and it didn't matter. Um, 
And so, and so it was this weird show that was on in the middle of the night that nobody knew when it started and nobody knew when it ended. And so, I don't know. So somehow a certain group of weirdos related to that. And then years later, they kind of, you know, years later, I meet them at a convention or a show or something. And I'm always a little bit amazed that they were uh, so into it. Um, and, and, and of course the show we're doing on Shutter is just a, a repeat of the same show. I mean, the same thing. Yeah. We once again we don't honor any time time limitations. We just we just talk until it's done. Yeah. And the great thing about that is is that there's so many movies in the past 120 years that you could poke fun at or just you know chit chat about. What has to be the other than Manos, the Hands of Doom, or the hand you know what that one movie was called? Uh, what is the hardest movie? to critique or has been one of the hardest movies to critique or at least poke fun of like either it was so bad it was good it was so bad like you couldn't add to it you know movies that are highly intellectual are hard to talk about any anything that william peter blatty wrote is really hard to talk about because he goes into metaphysics and he goes into Catholic dogma and he goes into all this stuff and, and he has all this symbolism and stuff. And that stuff is really hard to talk about. A lot of high, you know, high toned horror stuff that comes from England or movies like The Changeling. Although The Changeling was fun to talk about because it's based on a, it's based on a real life ghost story. Um, but, um, uh, uh, so, I mean, you know, the goofy ones are the ones that are fun. Mm. The, uh, so bad they're good ones, you know, the ones that we, uh, rescue from the past. You know, we had a movie called Demon Wind, you know, it's a horrible movie, but it's really, really fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dig it, man. Because you've been doing this so long, and you haven't gotten bored of it, which is which is even more amazing. Well, yeah, that is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it shows how shallow I am, I guess. Because <laughs> you know, in England, they're like, ah, we I think we did a season and a half. Do we really want to finish the second half of season two or series two? They're calling them series instead. Eh, no, that's good enough and just leave everybody hanging. But you're like, 30 years, I'm doing the same thing and the check clears, so I'm happy. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, uh, what can we expect? Any, like, major surprise? I mean, Jericho's a, obviously a big get for a co-host, but any surprises down down the road? Well, we have a season? lot of guests. I can't reveal the guests, but we have a lot of guests. We have a lot of uh, classic films. We have uh, we have our usual mix. We have a few more 70s classics than we normally have. Um, usually we're heavy on the 80s, but, uh, the 70s is this really interesting decade where you could just make anything. You know, the, the movie industry was in flux and nobody knew what the next, uh, stage of history was. And so, so you just have all these weird movies that only, could only exist in the 70s. And so we're showing some of those. Yeah, I think we might be getting back to that now with, uh, not only streaming services and video on demand, but, the way the world is shaped up and everyone's got their uh, smartphone to be able to shoot everything in 4k. You're right. You're right. There's, there's probably more product now than ever before. Uh, most of it unseen, <laughs> you know, um, but when we're, we're actually, we're going to have two world premieres on, on this season as well. So. Oh, nice. So brand new pictures, 2020, you know, right. out the gate. Yeah, exactly. Joe, Bob, I have to ask you this, and I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but 
I'm giving you a Roger Corman budget. What's the dream movie that you want to make? Oh man, I don't know. It's got to be, it's got to be, uh, it's got to have the three B's, blood, breasts, and beasts. I, t- I talked to Roger about the elements of, I, back in the eighties, I, I would have conversations with Roger about the basic elements of the exploitation movie. And that's, that's how I developed the drive-in totals, you know. And so, uh, I think the ultimate, uh, the ultimate drive-in movie has yet to be written. So, because <laughs> uh, I've been looking at them all ever since I talked to Roger, and um, Roger just celebrated his 94th birthday, still making movies. So, more power to him. That's amazing, man. And who would have guessed that he was Rebecca De Mornay's uncle? Really? Was, no, wait. That was uh, <laughs> no. I'm sorry. That was uh, who was her dad? I'm sorry. That weirdo guy that was like shouting patriotism stuff. Wally George was her dad. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to mix up the two. That I, That's all I need is to get a hate letter from Roger Corman and go, you thought I was Wally George? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Bob, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I know you got everything going on. Uh, tell everybody why we should tune in this Friday on Shutter, April 24th, and where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on, uh, Twitter at, uh, The Real Joe Bob, or you can find me, uh, on Facebook as Joe Bob Briggs, or you can, uh, find me on Instagram. I think it's called Official Joe Bob on Instagram. Um, and, um, uh, the reason you should be there this Friday night is you have absolutely nothing to do and you can't leave your house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna hire you to be my pitch man. When I, when I write a book, I want the forward by Joe Bob Briggs. You got nothing else to do? Read this. <laughs> Thank you so much. 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Pacific. Joe Bob Briggs, Chris Jericho on Shutter. You know, the last drive-in, and hopefully it won't be the last drive-in because we're gonna get a few more popping up with uh, everyone wanting to stay in their cars. Thank you again so much, Joe Bob. All right, it, thanks, it's man. It's been a lot of fun, man. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.